Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. This is episode 88. Today, we are introducing Coach Heather Macy. She's the new women's basketball coach at Spartanburg Methodist in South Carolina. Macy brings almost 20 years of coaching experience to FMC's athletic program. Most recently, she was the women's head coach at East Carolina University, where she was recognized as her all-time winningest coach. Macy has also held head coach positions at Francis Marion University and Pfeiffer University. Macy's achievements are extensive as, as both a player and a coach. She was inducted into the Greensboro College Hall of Fame and Starmont High School Hall of Fame. Her honors include 2013 Conference USA Coach of the Year, 2007, 2008, and 2008-2009 Peach Belt Conference Coach of the Year, and 2006-2007 Carolina's Virginia Athletic Conference Coach of the Year. At East Carolina University, Macy set the university record for three consecutive 20-plus win seasons, adding to her 200-plus career wins. In addition to her collegiate career, Macy founded Influence and Impactors Incorporated, a nonprofit that helps people of all ages reach their goals through service and leadership events. Macy's organization also hosts basketball camps and clinic. A camp for middle school and high school students is scheduled in SMC in later this year. Macy, who has been a speaker at some of the top coaching clinics in the country, including USA Basketball and Nike Championship Clinics, is also a frequent speaker at corporate events on the topics of leadership, teamwork, accountability, and discipline. Her book, Two Feet Forward, published in February and was the top new release in basketball coaching on Amazon. The culture and beliefs at Spartanburg Methodist College align with her philosophies relative to leadership, guiding principles, and values within a community. She views this as a powerful opportunity to work alongside President Cochran and Athletic Director Megan Aiello, says Macy. On top of this, she sees great value in the ability to help develop and prepare young people on the front and back ends of their college careers. This position checks all of the boxes as a win in her book. She is grateful to be selected to lead the women's basketball program and thrilled to join the SMC staff. Macy earned her Master of Science in Human Performance and Recreation from the University of Southern Mississippi and her Bachelor of Science in Sport Exercise Studies from Greensboro College. She is also certified in Emotional Intelligence EQ. Coaches, you're going to be really like uh, what Heather's going to present here. Um, and I think this is kind of the, um, she's kind of the edge of, of really the future of coaching. I think we have to do more than X's and O's with our coaching. She's going to really discuss, I am really going to learn a lot about how to deal with players' emotions, uh, what they call the emotional, uh, emotional intelligence. She's going to really kind of delve deep into how can we get the most out of our players by really understanding their emotional intelligence. Uh, I'm excited to listen, excited to pick her brain. So coaches, please get out your notebooks, get out your pens, and you're really going to like Coach Heather Macy. Coach Macy, welcome. Hey, I'm doing well. Good, good. How's it on that end? Can you hear me okay? I've got you. Everything is good. Great, great. Hey, this is taking a long time, man. I, I, I've worked really hard, man, to get you on. Uh, I apologize for all the, all the issues, but uh, thanks for joining me. That's no problem. I'm glad to be on. Looking forward to it. And chatting a little bit of hoops is always a great time. Absolutely. I got a lot of questions for you. And I, I have a lot of coaches like myself, high school coaches that, uh, listen, and they love hearing from great, great college coaches like yourself who are doing more than just coaching. I know you're doing that. Hey, tell us about kind of your journey and your background so, so we can kind of get to know you a little bit. Well, I, uniquely enough, I have coached at every single level and really proud to say that. And I think when I 
get around kids. And, and right now, coaching at Spartanburg Methodist, I'm able to help kids on the front end, get them into school. And then again, coming back out. And so for them to come in and say, hey, Coach Macy, you know, what level do you think I can really go in and contribute? of giving some advice and really what's the levels and what divides the levels. Um, I think I've seen it. I put my shoes on every day and kind of walk that and know because there, there's, a, there's a lot of differences and a lot of um, important differences, but ultimately um, a lot of similarities within the levels of, um, of sport. I think differently than what other people may assume sometimes, but uh, you know, my background, uh, played Division three college hoops and had a great college experience, small private school, and, and the ability to work all the way through up to a Division one head coach. Uh, with that journey, have had so many good experiences and met so many amazing people that's been uh, impactful to my life. And then being able to um, found a nonprofit and establish um, – you know, some really what I feel like making a difference within our community on, on multiple levels um, that I just feel really, really blessed and, and thank yeah, you. And for it's it. amazing. And really you coach, basketball is what's opened up that opportunity. You coached at different levels and so forth. And I, I love talking to coaches who've actually done that. Um, tell us about the people that have been great mentors of you, which one or two people, even early in your career that, said, you know what, you can be a coach and I'm going to help you. Who have, who have really been your mentors? Well, I think first I worked for some really good people. And a lot of decisions I made as a young coach, and I hope that young coaches who are listening can understand this, I made the decisions of who I worked for based upon some of the things that I felt like I could learn. and the ability to work for different types of people. I was an assistant coach for five years before I became a head coach, which, you know, I talk about in my book. That was way too fast. Five years and became at 26, a head coach. And I'm, I worked for great people who taught me different things. I worked for a great recruiter. I worked for great X's and O's. I worked for a great motivator and learned so much from each of them that I was able just to really create my own identity um, when I did become a first-time head coach at the Division II level, you know, did that for five years. I guess five years kind of my cycle. And then I got the opportunity to be a Division I head coach, which it becomes a whole new game then. And so um, that's kind of how it went. But then, you know, luckily for me, when I was at Francis Marion coaching, I was able to really learn what running a program was all about. And I, that program was the seventh all-time winningest program uh, at that point. And I got into a network of people that just taught me how to just, instead of just running a team, we, I learned how to run a program. And Sylvia Hatchell had been there 11 years and won two national championships. And luckily enough, she was willing to share with me and really help me understand what they did there to be so su- successful. And then all of her former players really embraced me and taught me things. And a lot of them lived in that town and financially supported our program um, and then allowed us to be really, really good. Um, And from that experience, I think it enabled me to think way bigger picture on what does it take to, yes, be a good basketball coach, but also to be a builder Uh, of programs. That's great. That's great history. I didn't know that. Um, I I think a lot of people are not familiar with what a great coach um, she is and what she has done really at North Carolina. I mean, she's a legend, right? (laughs) Yeah, she's very good. Oh, she's one of, yeah, she won a thousand games. I mean, she's pretty good, but, but you know, that small, yeah, that small college background, you know, is so vital. And I think nowadays people look down on small college coaches when the best coaches I've ever been around you know, probably started or still are at small colleges. And so I've been to some of the best practices. You go to a small college environment, 
and they are teaching and they are maximizing, you know, the talent pool that they've got. And it's a cool thing to do. And so, you know, I am proud to have been a product of small college hoops. And back when, way back when, way, way back when, I probably would have thought, well, man, I'm, I, you know, lesser because I didn't play Division One college basketball. But I think my background right. just helped at, prepare uh, me. And you if know, you play at the Division Three or Coach of the D3, like you were saying, you really have to take what you have and really build it from scratch. And that can also apply to the Division One, the higher levels, right? I know it's not, not all about recruiting. A lot of it's about player player development, isn't it? Well, and I, I think it is. I think you've obviously got to develop your players, but you've also, like I mentioned earlier, is is how do you run a program? I mean, how do you really um, you know, philosophically want to handle the day-to-day and the traditions that you're creating? We call it our blueprint, and it's just it's a program-building philosophy on here are the characteristics that we look for in players and in our staff and I mean, we're, I mean, we're in depth with it and, you know, we don't go away from the blueprint. This is what it takes to be successful. But that took a lot of years to, to really formulate that. And a lot of trial and error, trust me, I made more mistakes than I got it right. But you know, that for me was key and uh, being around really historic coaches and programs. That's how you learn about it. I mean, go and talk to, championship levels for the past 15 to 20 years high school coaches who's been at one place for a long time and ask them you know how do you build a program that to me is what's so much fun is because kids graduate but the traditions will not you know if that coach is truly yeah, running the program I remember you seeing you at a clinic uh, Gene Durden was having a clinic and talk about a legend is there a better high school coach than Gene Durden <laughs> Let me tell you, Coach Durden's one of my favorite people and has been so good to me. And I, I would make a point every year just to go down and watch those guys work out uh, just to get to talk to him because the things that I was learning, I mean, you, you just shut up and listen to him. I mean, he is an amazing coach, but also understands people and obviously understands tradition and how uh, to build standards mm-hmm. within a program and what he does there and be I mean, walking to his locker room next time you're there you just go wow and they do and i'm good friends with you matter of fact they're coming i, I, mean, I run a clinic out time. here um that i i call the legends clinic and gene's bringing four of his players out to uh you know go through his usual, usual drills and so forth but what gene told me is he what he wants to get across to coaches is there are building blocks to building a great program. To me, he's the master of that. I'm going to tell you that the, what they do in their warm-up, mm-hmm. and a lot of people come from everywhere and they watch them warm up before the game, and it is precision. And the pace in which he's got those kids going yeah is unbelievable. But, you know, that started when they're really, really young, too. But it's the standard in which the pace they're going to go. So the other coach that I saw do that was Rooney Scoville down at Gulf Coast. And her pace and her warm-up was unbelievable. So I went down and picked her brain, asked questions, let me see what you're doing, and and the same with Coach Jordan. And what I learned from both of those Hall of Fame coaches, where it's not – what you're doing it's how you're doing it and the standard in which you're requiring it to be done and so probably three years ago or something so we developed um what i call quick change and it's a combination of both of those two coaches philosophies but it is every fundamental skill that i found as a coach was important that had to be covered every day that you really don't have the practice time to do it like at the Division One level, everybody's so cognizant of how many minutes you're practicing them, right, and how long you're in the gym. And so we came up with this deal, and I'm telling you, it's 20 minutes. I mean, we would – I say 20, but honestly, we had it timed down. We could just about 
if it was a really efficient day, we could get it done in 14. But you're covering every single thing all season long. And the four, first 14 minutes of practice, you don't coach because you've already taught them what to do. And they're going through it. And it's you're, you're knocking out the communication. You're knocking out the stance. You're working on your pivots. You're making sure that they're big with the ball. They're pass faking. All the things that as you get through a, a six-month college season that you feel like, oh, man, we don't have time for that. We're working on a scouting report. We're getting that done in 14 minutes every single day. And I, I would challenge that that's the most efficient 14 minutes that you could get out of. And I've been around showing some coaches some of those things. But the key that I always tell them, this is my philosophy on what should be done, that I want to drill in it. You would come up with your own drills and how to flow from one to the other really, really quickly. Um, but I think, coaches, if you could, if you're listening to this and, and that, call me, and I'll be glad to share, share more in depth of what we do. But, however, it would just be important that you know what you want to do and what you want to get done. And it's got to be so important that no matter what's going on that day, that you start with the quick change. And it was for us. And I think it kept us sharp, and it kept us sharp all season long, and we didn't get sloppy with the way that we were handling the ball or just some of the philosophical things that you may work on in the summer. Or work on yeah, I love that. Uh, give that us you a really sample, need Coach. to keep sharp to be a good basketball give us a, team. Give us a little sample of what you uh, – quick change Okay. So we would start out, it's passing and catching. Added into the footwork, into a closeout with, now remember, it takes a lot of moving parts. So we I would make sure how many balls it took per, because you don't want to have to go get some more basketballs, right? So if we're doing something, it takes two basketballs. Do as many of those as you can so you're not having to trade out to four or to six. Uh, we're doing full court layup working on how we're catching, how we're passing, how we're finishing. Some of it is time, Kevin. Some of it is by makes. And then Coach Scoville told me this. I was like, how do you get them to go so fast? She said, if you want them to go fast, don't count. Sure. And I thought, what do you mean? Well, if you tell them they got to make 20 layups, they're going to slow down and make 20. If you want them to go as fast as you want them to go, put two minutes on the clock. And I thought, yeah, so, Coach, what are you wanting? Are you wanting them just to go as fast as they can go to get game speed? Then eventually the makes are going to come. I think we all believe that. But I think that you you can't get them to slow down for makes um, if you want them to go at game speed. So some of that for me, one of the coolest parts um, is we work post-entry passes during all of that. And so you know, that's a thing I think as you go through the year, you really focus on at the beginning of the year, can get it inside and then get it back outside for shots. And then you lose it as you go. And so that allows us to do post-entry passes all season long. Um, and then we work on our rebounding from there. So after that score, it's how they're going in with their hands above their shoulders, three to five feet, attacking offensive boards from an, to an outlet, things that you stop working on, outlet passes, clearing the lane line before you make the pass. And, again, those were all things that I thought the details – were things that got lost as a long yeah, season and I'm, happens. I'm really trying to – I, I really said, love okay, that because that. what we try to do also is what we call our improvement series, and they're short one-minute drills that we do every practice. I don't think you need to go long, right, Coach? I think you just short segments like you're saying, and I love, I love the idea of quick change because I think sometimes we overcoach sometimes. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. Hey, Kevin. Hey, welcome back. Hey, um, continue on just really quick about I love that. I, I just absolutely love that because I think, particularly at the college level, everybody thinks that it's about plays and, and schemes and all that. 
from your perspective, it's a lot of it's about 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 fundamentals and just the basics, isn't it? Well, I think basketball is a pretty simple game when we allow it to be. And ultimately, we want players to grow and get better and see improvement. Well, I think we just got to make sure that what we emphasize, uh, we realize that's what we're going to get out of it. And so for me, it was quick change. It was 14 minutes. I committed to it. Mm -hmm. And I believed it. I'm not sure that the players look forward to it because it's the same thing every day. Uh, But it was 100 practices that I really believed and I could see the growth and improvement that our team became better. And I just know that, that what you invest in it and what the return on the investment, 14 minutes every single day, the return on that was six times. Right. And how do you progress in that? But what I mean is, let's say a kid is at maybe, you know, like a level one skills. Let's say it's a high school kid and you have some other kids at maybe level three or four skills. How do you get the higher level kids to continue to build? Whereas also trying to build a, those, the, the lower level kids, if that makes sense. Well, you know, I have a philosophy of coaching to the best one. And so I think that kids will elevate to the level of the coaching and elevate to the level of what the competition is. So if we've got level one kids and level five kids together, I'm coaching to the five and I'm letting everybody else know that because that's the one that's leading the pack and everyone else is chasing. And so, and I want them to stay engaged and involved. And I think that that allows them to do that. And, and, and our practices are so demanding and I'm a demanding coach and I'm proud of that. And, and I, I think that players have, have been better. Maybe they're not better. They don't understand they're better right away, but five years later they do understand it. And so the best I can say with that, I don't know if that's, that's the right answer, but it's been kind of my philosophy on how to do it. Yeah, I love that. And that's, um, you know, we're in a program here where now we're at our kind of our fourth year of, of development. I got some, I got, I got two or three like really good players and the remaining players, like most high schools are, you know, three, you know, three sport athletes. They don't play a lot of basketball. So I totally agree with you. I think we try to get the, the, the lower level players to elevate their game. I absolutely love that. What do you think? Yeah. I, I, listen, y'all, y'all know better than me. <laughs> I'm sure you guys <laughs> Yeah. I think, I think that's a great philosophy and, you know, kids are so resilient and, you know, I think that everyone loves to be challenged. Real competitors love to be challenged and whether or not they're playing as much as they want to play, I don't know. But what I do know is that when they continue to see the growth, it's like all of us, we all crave growth. And as long as I think we're seeing growth, we come back the next day. Yeah, absolutely. And coach, tell me about, and um, I really appreciate, you know, you sharing the knowledge and so forth. Cause I know um, you're right at the beginning of getting your season going, your, your, your workouts and all that. Tell me what you do in the preseason player development. What do you do? What, what, what do the colleges allow you to do? And what do you believe in, in your player development at this time of the season? Well, right now we're getting them strong and we're getting them fit. And so I was told by um, the, uh, actually the strength coach at UConn, she and I were in um, a convention together, uh, Camp Elevate. And I asked her philosophically, you know, what does your preseason look like? And she said, get them strong. You can get them in shape as you go, but you can't get them strong as you go. And so number one thing right now is we've got a strain in the weight room and we've got a strain in everything that we do because we've got to get a base of strength. Um, That's injury prevention. I think that also builds your mindset. Um, I I know that it changes the level that you're going to play at a four-year school. Highest level division one kids, the ability to strain and just elevate in a workout is, is different. And so, we're working right now, really, really getting strong, building our culture. You know, my first year coach here and able to, to restart and bring in like, hey, this is exactly what we want to do. Now you're going to memorize all this stuff. And then as we move on, I'm going to show you how to apply it. So it's not just the sheet of paper that says the blueprint. The, right now it is. You're just memorizing it. But it won't be long. And, and we'll work on here's how we're applying that, whether it's our 
our core values uh, or affirmation statements or our program standards. Coach, tell me about, because I love, I, I, one of my favorite parts is kind of coaches, uh, coaches who really believe in culture over strategy more. Um, tell me about your culture. What are your core values? Um, talk, you don't have to explain all of them. Okay, give, us, give us some of your key, your key core values that you're building your, your new program at. Well, one, three, we have three program standards, and it's discipline, hard work, and exceed expectations. And that's how we want to approach every single day, um, you know, in, in life and in basketball and in, within our academics. And so um, the really powerful thing with our brand new team is we've been working through some affirmations and we have team affirmations. And one of those is I, I will not let you down. And the focus of that when you're building a program, is we're conditioning them and we condition them hard and they're running and it's just about Heather. I'll stop quick, right, when it's just about me. But when I don't want to let the people around me down, um, I'm going to run that other rep. Or I don't want to let my family down. I just cannot let the people who really depend on me down. Then, then they'll run that extra rep, and they'll also hit that box out at the end of the game that's going to win the game for you. And I'll tell them all the time, like, if you're, if you're not going to run that rep, I can't count on you to really set that screen. And I correlate everything we do in preseason from conditioning to weights to the game of basketball. Nothing is an outlier that stands by, the, by itself. Yeah, and I, from talking to a lot of – and the one thing I love about the podcast is talking to great coaches like yourself. And I always try to get, like, one area – like, every coach, like, if they told me, like, one word or one – concept they're focusing on with their team what is one thing coming in new that you're really trying to drive your point home about your culture what's one area well for us uh it's confidence because i I don't i don't think it's here i think it's across america is that kids are lacking confidence and i just want to reassure them that you know you're a good player and you're in a good program and this is only the first step, and we're getting you prepared to go to a better program um, every single day. So, I, I, you know, for us right now, it's just building confidence and, and having the ability to, you know, fall back in love with the process of basketball and um, of this program and of, of this team. Because I, I do believe that we can uh, get to a higher level and, and do some really special things. And, and from what I know with girls, and I've always coached girls for my 30 years, is confidence is not always there as compared to the boy. I, I do. I've coached a lot of confident players, but that that's difficult. How do you how do you drive confidence? How do you get kids to play with confidence? Well, I think that work is a byproduct of that. You're not going to get confidence sitting on the couch eating chips, watching TV, and go, "Man, I you know my confidence is kind of low." <laughs> I mean, that's not helping it get, get, get any better. So the work that you do, I think, instills that confidence because you know that you've worked hard to deserve success. And when you know that you put the work in to deserve it, I think there's an air of confidence in just knowing what you've done. And there's also a level of accomplishment with that. But there's also, you know, give somebody a high five and give them a hug and tell them they did a great job. Wasn't perfect. It wasn't as good as it's got to be, but they did a good job. Um, and I think that that helps them because too many times we're beating up kids when not just coaches, but when they go home um, or the pressure that they're reading with a ranking on social media or a highlight film or all, all of that, those pressures that, that pound down on kids is a lot. But I think that those are just some of those elements is that you know, if you want a kid to play really, really well and you want them to be confident, then you've got to help them uh, get to that point. Sometimes that's removing distractions, um, and it's sometimes just being able to look them in the eye and say, hey, I believe in you. Yeah, and that's uh, – I don't think we do that enough, do we, Coach? Um, uh, I think – I know I spoke to Kevin Kiernan, who's the uh, um, head girls coach at Modern Day High School, and I'm sure you're familiar with Modern Day – their girls program, um, you know, he just says, you know, he just says, hey, 
Um, he tries to build confidence in his players all the time. And he says um, it, it's really lacking, particularly with females and not the boys. Um, hey, let, let's go on to the let's go on to the next question. And that is, what is your basketball system? What is what what is what what how do you run your program? How do you run schematically? Are you a run and gun team? Are you a pressing team? Tell us about your basketball system. Well, this is year 19 for me as a college basketball coach. And so I have had uh, different systems in those 19 years. And early on in my career, we were what I termed the fastest team in the country. And we led the team and we led the country in scoring um, and steals. And then I laugh and say in fouls. Uh, but we were fast, <laughs> 109 a game. And we did that for about a four-year period. Uh, and, and we were pressing and we were, we were scoring early in the shot clock. And then um, I was able to get introduced to the Princeton offense. And that's the only thing really in basketball that's ever challenged me. Uh, that really stimulated me. And, and, and I loved it. I mean, everything I could get my hands on. Um, and I took that system and simplified it, condensed it. And we ran that for a little while. And then I got to the point to where I had to figure out a way to win. And so I was asked when I came uh, to Spartanburg, they, one of the players said, hey, coach, um, how are we going to play? Like, what, you know, basically, like, what's your system? And I said, well, my system's winning. And they looked at me really funny. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, all I know that no matter where I've been, at every level, I've won. And so give me just a couple of weeks here and I'm going to figure out how to win here too. And we can do it a lot of different ways. And I think that's where the power comes. Uh, and that's where I became a really a much, much better coach is when I learned how to coach a team differently. Maybe it wasn't exactly um, the way I would like to do it, but it was what it took for that um, program to be successful. Because sometimes at, at the college level, the institution determines – your style of play. It's who you're able to recruit. Um, and as a coach, can you adapt to that? Or don't take jobs that you, you that you, that if you, if you want to play slow, don't take jobs in regions of the country. The only way to win is to, you know, have more athletic kids and, and play really up tempo. And then if you're going to do it, be the best at it. So when we were playing fast, I was committed to playing fast. And everybody recruits and says they play fast. And I'm like, all right, well, how many points a game do they average if they play fast? And if they're averaging 67 points a game, no, they're not playing fast. They're not playing fast enough. How about that? Um, to where, I mean, you know, you've got to get it in the, you know, the high 80s, 90s. And if you're getting it in the 100, you are rolling. So anyway, so we were doing it really good. We were playing very, very fast. And that probably fits my personality of what I'd like to do. But I think you've got to be at the right place in the right situation to really um, do that. But I became a much better coach. We played a matchup zone. Hi, this is Jeff Jasper, head basketball coach at Pascack Valley High School in New Jersey. If you haven't listened to Kevin's championship podcast, you're missing out. This guy's got a passion for the game, great insights, and he interviews some pretty cool people. I must say he interviewed me. I had a lot of fun. Best to all of you. Take care. I got you. Gotcha. Hey, hey, I love what you're talking about your system because I, I love the up tempo system and so forth. And um, I actually love doing it even without really talented players on that, which is kind of unusual. Um, do you believe that? Do you believe you have to have the personnel to play that aggressive? Um, I have attempted to do it both ways. And we were way more effective when it, when it fit the personnel. But I have seen programs do it to where it was doing it at an elite level with athletes that you would think probably couldn't do it at that level. So I've seen it done both ways. Yeah, and, I, um, and, and give, me an ex give me a sample of your pressure. I mean, because I, uh, I love zone pressure. I, I'm actually a – I'm a zone matchup coach. I feel at the girls level, um, I can kind of hide certain players more, but I can use my best players to trap and so forth. Uh, are you more man to man or is it more of a matchup type? Talk to me a little bit about that. 
Well, I think when we got very good at it, we were pressing off of the miss. And that's when I think your team philosophically has it down. And we were able to miss shot, corral the rebounder, and right away. And, you know, we kind of had an analogy, like when you're in the pool the summertime and your brother is, is dunking you and putting you under and you get, come back up and he grabs you again and puts you back down. Like the only thing you want is to grab the side. If you can grab the side of the pool and up and get a good breath, then you could take more. And so what we didn't want to do within our pressure is to allow any opponent to come on the breath because they have the recovery. And so being able to, this is, we were, we were much better. And then being able to switch up two guard and one guard in our zone, you know, really changed, I think, the preparation of the other team with what they were going to do with um, the press break. Yeah, just trying to keep them off balance, it sounds like, is, is your philosophy. Do you, you try to uh, transition into threes, driving kick, uh, quick shots, or are you more patient on offense? No, we would, we would want to be in a three-on-three scenario all the time where it's just space balance and movement and making sure everyone's hard to guard and hard to guard in cutting and hard to guard um, within dribble penetration. So those were just some philosophical things. And then when it really got into a set um, play, we, we executed well. And that's when I would take a lot of our Princeton concepts and utilize those uh, in the half court. And, and that's tough when you're able to, to quick hit the Princeton offense. Yeah. And I, I've always loved the Princeton and, I, um, but it does take a lot of time because it's all about timing and so forth. Isn't it coach? It's timing. And there's a lot of teaching to it. I think um, that's when the back doors, it drives me nuts when people are running the back door stuff and, um, you know, no one's talking about timing. They're just talking about throwing it, throwing sure. it out there. And there's a ton of teaching that goes along with all that. Um, and so it's so funny when, when people come to a practice and they want to learn it, you, you really, the coaches who just say, oh, well, you dribble out and throw it. You know, you've got to teach that stuff. And to teach a kid how to do a dribble at isn't a one-day thing. It is a every single day. That was something within our quick change that we put into it, just like if you have something within your offense that needs repetitive movement, you would put that into your quick change area. Yeah, and it's not just throwing in drills to be throwing in drills, which a lot of coaches probably, including me, do. I think you, your, your drills, your fundamental drills, have to be um, catered towards your offensive system, right? I, I think so. I mean, none of us have the luxury of having a, um, most of us, I shouldn't say none of us, I guess most of us do not have the luxury of just having a gym whenever we want it. And so I think maximizing the time that we're in the, in the gym. And so, I mean, if you've got your volleyball team and your JV teams coming in and your varsity teams and guys and girls and, you know, the ability to maximize a practice is everything for, I think, every team. And so, yeah, I mean, I would, I would just think it would be a waste of time. Why would you do any drill that is not going to impact how you want to play um, or what you're going to see, you know, with it within that season? Yeah, and I, th- I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen with coaches. I go into a lot of practices, and it's like, all right, that drill looks good, but that is, that, that isn't that that doesn't kind of suit what your offensive system is, but. Sometimes we go what looks good, right, Coach, instead of what's good for our team. Well, I, I think when, you, when you've been in it long enough that, that you don't, right, because you go, it, the kids want to know why you're doing sure. it. And so you're going to have to explain why you're doing it. Um, and we're getting in that scenario, and this is helping us through that scenario. I just think it's very, very important. Um, and, and I love it that I, I just go ahead and tell them while I'm doing it versus, um, you know, them having to ask, Hey, we're doing this and this is why, uh, because I'm really sure why we're doing it. And so when, you know, you're sitting around and you're planning a practice, I, I outline my season versus just the practice. And so I'm able to go, okay, we've got six weeks of preseason. Here's the objectives I want to accomplish in these six weeks. 
and here's how we'll accomplish those. And it becomes an outline for me to go, are we staying on pace? Are we a little bit slower? And I'll do the same, you know, as we get into the season on when you want to put what in. You know, we want to get into zone offense by now. You know, are we behind in it? Are we ahead in it? You know, every single year that adjusts with how many returning players you have. And in general, um, you know, what kind of leadership you have. I think when the players start coaching the other players, you can get a lot of really good things done. Um, when it's just the coaches coaching, it takes a lot longer. But there's something about live coaching. When you've got upperclassmen who in the middle of a play or in the middle of the drill are able to step right in and go, hey, hey, here, move here, post right there. Um, it goes a long way. And I think that the, the kids retain it quicker and your team will look better earlier. So that would definitely change what the outline may look yeah, like. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I was listening to a podcast today from Chris Oliver, which I'm sure you know Chris Oliver. And he was he was talking about getting his players more interdependent, where they're not just relying on the coach. It's more of a player-led team. Isn't that what we're shooting for, where your players can actually go out, work out, and actually critique each other rather than the coach always critiquing? <laughs> yeah, I think if we're building future leaders, that that's what we're going to want to do. There's no doubt about it and teach them how to – when I think kids, when they don't step up and talk and communicate, it, a lot of it is just because they're unsure. Sure. And so a level of sureness with an athlete, to me, becomes a level of winning more. Like when a kid knows what they're about to do and they're not thinking – I mean, that becomes really special. And when you go, man, why are we missing so many shots? And what, you know, a lot of it is they're maybe second guessing and they're unsure what to do. So if you can, and that I think goes back to the confidence piece that we yeah, had talked about earlier. Sureness, confidence, assertive enough to step up and talk and communicate. You know, all those things are when you really have magical seasons and teams. And then I think really when you start to identify, man, I've really got a program here. Yeah, definitely a player-led team. And, I, and you're right about that because I know even with my type of kids that I have, when I don't say as much and I allow them to really coach each other, I'm telling you, the confidence that they gain is amazing. It is. And then they're pulling for each other. And it goes back to some of the things I mentioned earlier about, you know, your affirmation statements. Is that, you know, I don't want to let you right, down. sure. And, you know, you're playing, you're playing for one another and it's, you know, it's a whole different vibe when a team arrives and it's not just about the individual and it's about the full group. And, you know, I would just challenge any program or any coach that's out there, you know, listening to this and learning the craft and, and really in this profession is to, to not take it season by season. But regardless of the pressure that you feel from parents or administrators or yourself, um, build the program. And regardless of how long you're, you're in it, you're going to leave it better than you found it regardless. I think when you have that mindset and that approach and, you know, coaches don't coach with fear is my, is my number one thing to tell every single coach. You do not coach out of fear, coach because you love it, coach you're making a difference. Um, and that's where the real reward comes and where the magic happens. Yeah, that's when you do your best coaching is when you coach fearless is what we call it. Uh, we want our players to be free and fearless. We talk about that a lot. Coach, I, I know you're busy. I just have a couple more questions. Um, tell me about the outline of your practice. I mean, you seem like a coach that really has a purpose in your practice. You're very intentional. How do you run your practices? Well, the outline piece is um, obviously big picture. And so I'm just kind of throwing that net really, really wide and looking, okay, what does practice one or week one all the way to practice 100 look like? And from there, I have the ability to go back and adjust based upon what the team where we are and, and it also helps us I think with our goals and you know and from from short-term frustrations 
because I think as coaches, we have a bad practice and we like to lose our mind. You know, we're going to have the worst season. <laughs> and when you can go back and look at what you have planned and you go back and go, oh, well, you know, we're about a week ahead of where I thought we would be. And you, you can also take some successes yourself, coaches, to keep us going. I mean, there's levels we've got to always keep going. But, yeah, I, I, I like to plan it down to um, the objective more than the time. So I want us to get really uh, better at doubling the ball screen. Okay, that's the objective. And here would be the three drills we would do. And when we finish that objective, we'll move on to the other thing. Now, don't misconstrue that we're going to stay in that for three hours. But I like the kids also to understand that the objective isn't these three drills. The objective is, is we've got to get better doubling the ball screen. And so I think it helps them too. Like, hey, listen, let's just get better doubling the ball screen. Let's get to the next thing. And then, then we're going to work on being, you know, being, being better in our cutting action um, offensively. And so I think that also depends upon the team that you've got. And one technique that really helped me is I always had this very uh, detailed practice plan that I still do for myself, for our managers, our assistant coaches, and for visitors, and post in the locker room so the players see it. And then I circle back and I take a, I'll just take a dry erase board that you can roll it out to the court or put on an easel. And I'll write up kind of the big objective topics. And, and really, like, this is the things that we walk out of here. Did we do these things well? And then we debrief every day at the end of practice. What went well? What didn't go so well? Um, what do we got to work on? You know, do we have a mental skill? And then, you know, finish it up with something positive. And that's an everyday thing. And I think we're constantly assessing, did we do it well? How can we do it better? And let everyone be a part of assessing that, not just the coaching staff. Yeah, I love that. You're, you're giving them – yeah. and that goes back to your confidence in the fact that you're asking your players, hey, what do we need to get better at? How do you feel about that, right? Well, no doubt about it. And that's pretty – cool when they're the ones talking about our own ball defense has got to be better instead of the coaches going to the coaches offices and <laughs> right. complaining about it for 45 minutes right they, okay they already know it's got to be better they already know for us to be successful Saturday that's got to get better and then them take the ownership to get it better yeah I absolutely love that I, I, I think your successful coaches are definitely doing that coach can you give me your best drill if you had the, if you have one drill and I I think we all have one but just give, I always try to get one from every coach. Give us your one drill you're going to do every single day. Well, uh, we, we, I hate to go back to it, but the thing, the only thing that we're doing every single day is going to be quick okay. change. But um, I've got some, I've got drills that you've got to do if we've got to make it a, a tough practice. I've got drills that we've got to do to be really good offensively. And I've got really good stuff defensively on ways um, to work on the press without that reset all the time. You know when you're a pressing mm -hmm. team and then you've got to get it all set back up and it takes forever and it takes the steam out of practice? I've got some pretty good stuff if the coaches are interested. And, and by the way, all my practices are open. So just call and would love to have you come down. We do a coaches clinic every year as well. We'll have an open practice. But the one thing that I would tell you that we're going to do every day besides quick change, is going to be we're going to start and finish practice the same way, but the finish is going to be better than start because we want to be better in the fourth quarter, better at the end of the game, and give me something to hang my hat on, whether we're up 10 and we're going to close the game out or we're down 10 and we're not going to give up, is some sprint work. So we'll, we'll condition uh, with – just a simple down and back sprint to start practice, and we do that in 11 seconds. And then we come back at the end of practice, and we do it in 10 seconds. And that's everyone to show that after a two-and-a-half or a three-hour practice that we are better than when we started. And so that's been great for us because I think it's a rally point at the end of, at the end of games, regardless of what's going on, is, is we have proven every single day that we are – great condition team 
that is better at the end than the beginning. So now let's just be better than we were at the beginning. Yeah, I'm going to steal. I love that. Um, I think we all want to – we talk about finishing, right, all the time. I love that key point. And not only that, Coach, it seems like it might not be as much physically as, as mentally your players start believing, hey, I'm in great shape, right? Well, it's transferring. You know, the more that you transfer over what you're doing in practice to a game scenario, the better. I mean, you have got to have the ability for that athlete to understand that we have put you in these circumstances or similar or tougher environments, and now we're ready to do this. And that also builds that confidence in that kid of like, hey, man, my coach is really preparing me for this experience. Because what we never want to do as adults is put a kid in a scenario where they're going to fail. And we also don't want to put a kid in a scenario where they're not prepared because we have to look at them at the end. And, and I don't know, you know, as a parent, as a coach, anytime a kid looks at you for the answer and you don't have it, oh, man, that's, <laughs> man, that's like the worst thing ever. You know, you lose a game, a kid looks at you and goes, what happened and you're kind of like uh say something really profound and you've got nothing you know so i want to try to avoid those um circumstances and i want to put kids in scenarios where they can be successful where they're playing sports and sports is bringing great value to their life yeah and don't you agree coach that their best coaches they actually they're they actually have a win even when they lose i don't know if that makes sense like they're basing their whole system on just maximizing relentless effort and teamwork. You might lose on the scoreboard, but you don't win as a team. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think the coaches who've, who have really good perspective are able to do that. And too many of us don't have very good perspective. And, um, you know, we kind of lose ourselves in the game or lose ourselves in the sport. And I think that's when it can get very unhealthy for yeah, that's a, that's a good word. Unhealthy is probably a big a big word for us coaches and so forth. I think we have to do a better job in our mental approach. Coach, talk about your book because I'm really interested in getting that book from my players, Two Feet Forward. Why did you write it and how can it help my team? Well, the book is really honest. And the book is all about the, the really the failure that I experienced as an athlete and as a coach and the things that I've learned through it. And that's why I, you know, I I would recommend it from a young athlete all the way to an executive and the people I've gotten feedback from the book is going, wow, like you're really honest and you're, you you know, and my big thing is when I became a head coach at 26, I would say all the time, why didn't anyone tell me these things? Why didn't anyone tell me it was going to be this way? Or, you know, why did I have to learn this the hard way? And so that was kind of the concept of the book is can I help people by sharing as a young person, the things that I just didn't know that I probably would have handled way, way differently. And I just didn't know better. And so the book kind of takes you right to that. And some of, some of my experiences, and it's also really easy read. It's nothing intimidating. You know, it's, um, I I write it similar to how I talk and it's kind of written like a blog in a lot of ways. And so I don't think anyone's going to open it and go, Oh my goodness. And then when you do open it, uh, you're going to notice that I had a former player do all the illustrations, a former player designed the cover. And then 18 years at that point of, of having coached there's tributes in the back from assistant coaches and from players. And so it felt like a real team, that it took to write the book and to go through it. Writing a book was the hardest thing I've ever done. So I'm really proud of it um, just because the ability to finish and get to the finish line on writing a book is really, really tough. And so that was uh, one of my most, um, the accomplishment probably in my coaching career that I'm most proud of. And I, I love, I love the two feet forward because one of my favorite statements is fall forward. Don't fall back on mistakes. Always fall forward. Is that similar to what you're trying to get across? Well, our program um, theme or kind of like tagline has been two feet in. And that's a commitment level that it takes 
to get to an elite level. And so we just kind of built on that. Um, it, but take the rearview mirror, rip it down. Let's look forward. These mistakes have happened. But here are some leadership lessons um, that hopefully that you. Hey, coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at, at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Kevin. Hey, hey uh, uh, my, my final question was how, um, how can I use this as, let's say I, I, I'm going to have my team for the whole season, obviously. Um, do I want to spread it out where I love, I love having my team read books during the season. Um, what do you recommend taking certain chapters or concepts? What, how, how can we delve into them and get the maximum out of your book for my team? You know, I think you could take a chapter a week. And you can read it with the team. And every single one of them has a story. And so after you kind of read the concept of what is no exit strategy, now I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me. Um, And it's all from a sports perspective. And then maybe everyone else kind of has their story on, you know, what, what is my situation I ever had in my life where I started something with an exit strategy. Um, And I think that that, builds a team when we're able to share kind of personal stories like that what a difference that makes yeah I I totally agree I don't think we do enough of that particularly as male coaches Uh, I think we're guilty Um, that's why I have all female assistant coaches Um, because I think they I, I think you have to really get your team to share more it's not about all on court right no, I think it's about connecting. And, and the more connected you feel to teammates and to coaches, I think the, um, the better the program becomes. And I think you've got to know, you know, what makes that person tick. So whether it's your coach or your teammate, you know, I think regardless, it's just important to understand the people that you're working for and working with every single day. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and coach, I, I just want to tell you again, I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, thanks. I know you're, you're out uh, getting your program ready, get everything ready for the new season. But I, again, thank you so much. How can our listeners get a hold of you if they wanted to come to a practice? Um, you're actually not too far from us. I mean, we're right there near actually kind of close to um, uh, Augusta. We're about 90 minutes from Augusta. Tell us about how we can get a hold of you. Yeah, well, I'm at Spartanburg Methodist College, and and Spartanburg sits right between Atlanta and Charlotte. And um, check me out on Twitter or all the social media outlets at Two Feet In, Heather Macy, like the department store, Macy. And uh, check out our website as well, influenceandimpactors.com. Um, that's the nonprofit and where we run a lot of our speaking events. Yeah, and I appreciate I know you're, you've impacted me, and I appreciate you taking the time out. And I know you're going to impact your your team and so forth and hopefully you impact a lot more coaches coaches thank you for taking the time out heather thank you so much i appreciate it no kevin thank you and i just i just want to finish by saying you know i don't believe there's secrets in basketball so if anybody's got any questions or want to check out what we do we're an open book and i'd love to have you that'd be great all right coach thank you so much have a great evening i wish you the best best season as possible thank you Take care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Coaches, I got an exciting announcement. On September 14, 2019, the Legends on the Lake Basketball Coaching Clinic will be back. Um, We're really excited to host a great clinic this year. Uh, We will have the top coaches in the state of Georgia and around the country uh, attend our 2019 clinic here at Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. The clinic will go from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. We, fe- we feel like we are the most unique coaches clinic in the country and that we will have a live demonstration team from Middle Georgia Prep School demonstrating all the on-court activities for the speakers. In addition, we'll have the best high school coaches 
from states like Georgia, Wisconsin, Alabama, Tennessee, Missouri, and New Jersey. We have speakers starting at 8 a.m., and we will have our last speaker at 3.45 p.m. We provide the coaches with a meal, snacks, shirt, everything they need in our beautiful new facility here at Lake Oconee Academy. You cannot go wrong. If you're interested in signing up for this clinic, I will give you a special deal. Please put a special code of legends when you email me at furtadok57 at gmail.com. I will give you a special discount if you come to our clinic. And also, I'll provide you any hotels that are close by the school. We're right off of I-20 here in Greensboro, Georgia. Looking forward to seeing all you coaches. Take care.